0: Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18plusdrinkaware.co.uk
1: Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie?
2: All good, mate. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, But you're also a business owner as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter and George. Um, We're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc. I've
1: been looking for a physio, so I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you?
2: Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial product. So, um, our most recent venture is, is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of of Funding Circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us. So
1: if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle.
3: This is the Ruck from the Times and the Sunday Times. Thanks again for joining us. And wow, the first part of the Heineken Cup this season has been almost dead boring. That all changed in a massive way in what may well have been, and I'll ask our guests whether they agree, the greatest weekend the Heineken Cup has ever had. I'm joined um, by my colleague Adam Hathaway, the king of Fleet Street, a man who's written for every newspaper in the world on rugby apart from the KwaZulu-Natal bugle and I believe he's filing for them tomorrow. Welcome Adam, congratulations on Crossing the River, I know you you don't come down south very often and on the subs bench at the moment is Stuart Barnes, he's just trying to get into his tracksuit and to get online to join us. Coming up on today's podcast we'll look back on the last 16 of the Champions Cup, what an epic it was. We'll also preview the quarter-finals. Briefly, we'll hear from our man in South Africa, Will Kelleher, sending himself on the Cape. Also, Jess Hayden will join us to look back on the Women's Six Nations. And we'll name our God or Goddess of the Week. Adam, let's just have a a very brief opinion from you. So many great games, which was your particular favourite and why? Uh, Well, I didn't go, but watching it on the box on Saturday night, Gloucester, against
4: La Rochelle where have Gloucester been for the last 25 years that was excellent
3: it, it was um, I, I saw Exeter Montpellier and uh, my goodness how many shifts in in momentum were there it was in it was in the lap of the gods throughout the extra time they played magnificently exciting I also was really taken by a club I always admire and that was Saracens how oh, they got themselves together to put away the Ospreys but you were at Saris, um Adam yesterday fascinating game huge comeback by Saracens where do they stand at the moment?
4: Compared to where they were when they won their three titles I think if you look at the depth of the squad they haven't quite got it probably a, a product of what happened to them a couple of years ago um, also a product of what happened to them a couple of years ago is they didn't have one year out of Europe like they did out of the Premiership they had two years because that's playing the Challenge Cup last year this was their first proper knockout game since 2020 in Europe and for the, Mark McCall said afterwards, for the first hour, they looked like a team who had too much to lose. I think he was right. Then they sort of what I, what, what I would call their big dogs really grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and killed the Ospreys off, um, which I think bodes well for what will be a tough trip next weekend.
3: They, they, the, the Ospreys, let's be fair, the Ospreys have almost on the hiding to nothing because they're part of the impoverished Welsh club scene. But it does show that when they're not all knackered from international rugby, when they get together, it does show they've got a team there, doesn't it? Well, you look at that team sheet they've got. They had
4: um, four or five British lions. Um, I know George North dropped out just before kickoff, off but they gave Saracens a good old shake-up. 14-3 up, then 2014 up. Saracens were wobbling a little bit, but like I said, they um, you know people like Farrell, Macavunipola... Ben Earl, in particular, we probably shouldn't talk about him anymore because we're probably costing him England caps yeah, like we we've did cost with him Alex about 20 Goode. already,
3: yeah. I think. Maybe in both not as bitter as that. <laughs> Let me just ask you this. Um, uh, I keep on thinking of um, comparing the two teams, the two Saracens teams a few years ago in this one. There's no Skelton. Now, Will Skelton had a really, really ineffective game on Saturday against Gloucester. Didn't look fit. I also think that they have not replaced the Skelton that was... Uh, they seem to be a, a huge forward short in the line-out. I mean, is that how you see it? Because they did win a lot of ball, but are they slightly underpowered? Well, the last time Saracen's won the European
4: Cup, in the final, they had Skelton and George Cruz yeah. um, in the second row. Maro you played six. Their bench included Richard Barrington, Vincent Cock, Nick Skulk Berger, Richard Wigglesworth, Nick Tompkins, and David Strettle. I mean, well, that, is that is power amazing. coming off the bench. Yeah. Compared to what they might put out next week, I think you're right. I think they still miss Cruz. Yeah, he, yeah. he was the brains behind the lineout and things like that, and he a much underrated toughness he had. Sure.
3: And now we're joined uh, from by Stuart, as promised. Um, Burnsy, we're having a conversation about these marvelous, uh, marvelous weekend of rugby. Arguably, the one of the greatest Heineken Cup has seen. I think. What was your personal favourite of all those choice uh, games?
5: I wouldn't go quite as far as you there, Jones. Yeah, I thought it was very good, but I don't know about the, the overall quality of all the games. Having said that, I think La Rochelle Gloucester was an epic. You know, I started watching the game, but I was watching to see how will La Rochelle uh, attack the breakdown? What will Dante do? You know, watching it like, like a tactical masterclass, seeing what O'Gara was up to. And as the game went on, you start to say, Christ, Gloucester are playing well. It was like a club version of... um. Japan beat in South Africa in the World Cup, except they didn't quite get over the line. But uh, it stood out head and shoulders above everything. I thought it was a a, a magnificent match. One of the greats.
3: Fair enough, Stuart. I I, I wouldn't uh, say that um, Exeter, Montpellier, uh, or indeed Saracen's Ospreys were far behind. I should mention Seb Atkinson because... He was marking Jonathan Dante, and I don't think I've ever seen Dante so well marked as by this young Gloucester player. It's slightly baffling because I wouldn't ever repeat this in the shed, but sometimes I think Gloucester are are a bit soft in their current incarnation. My God, um, Banzi, they weren't soft on Saturday.
5: No, mentally they were really tough. I don't know what happened to Dante. Dante just seemed a metre off the pace. It was almost... As if he came back to France and, and played two blinding games and his head wasn't there. and Maybe I'd say the same for Aldrich as well. Perhaps, just perhaps, they were conned a little bit by Gloucester's recent rubbish form. Hmm. Um, but, you know, Atkinson, very good defensively. Uh, the quality of his distribution was excellent. Um, in big Mark Atkinson, they lost someone who's very important to them in the mm. way they play. Much of revolves around him. But Sedak, Seb Atkinson actually gives them a little bit more width as well. And I thought he was one of the... Uh,
3: unmentioned stars of the weekend we, we were just um, uh, talking about Saracens and Ospreys and Adam was saying that Ospreys did show something that is probably uh, the best they've shown this season in the first half we discussing Saracens and thinking maybe compared to their great size they haven't quite got the power especially in the second row I mean one person I'd uh, I'd uh, single out Adam was Alex Goode was absolutely phenomenal the way the way he's in trouble with four defenders and yet by the use of his feet he gets them all out the way and they can hardly touch him and off they go I just thought he was wonderful he's about 48 years old as well now
4: well the bloke, the bloke is brilliant we've um, like I said before we've cost him a few caps by talking him up but it was interesting I know you did a piece with Max Malins at the mm. weekend um, how he played other sports Alex is a uh, talented footballer, he had trials with Ipswich. I think he's a good tennis player. Comes from a sports family, and it shows. He can, I reckon he could do anything. He's pro- he probably plays golf off scratch.
3: Mm. Yeah, like like you and I. Yeah. Okay, um, Stuart um, uh, Munster, you're uh, you're all your favourites. You and Miles in the in the Sky Sports, the <laughs> gr- the great days, not so yeah. good. And I think there's a, a certain theme now that. The South African provinces are not mucking round. It's the only tournament they're now in, and my goodness, some of them are really going for it. There's Sharks, Stormers, and Montpellier. To be to be fair, is that how you see it?
5: Yeah, um, I, I thought that the two big guns won very easily. The, the score lines in in Durban and Cape Town were no reflection whatsoever. Mm. I've got to say, I. Durban's, uh, the the uh, Sharks are an enigmatic team. They play some brilliant front football, but I'm not actually certain whether their defensive liabilities are just because they eased off or they really do have a weakness. I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen a, a backline rush so badly man mm. for man. I mean, four men came in to try and take out the inside man and everyone enabled the passer to put it away and it made uh, life very easy um, at times for the Munster backline. And you wouldn't say Munster are renowned for their back play, but it was quite sharp. And and, and against better teams, um, they're going to be finding themselves four tries down after half an hour. But mm. they're brilliant going forward. The other thing I'd say, I think Stormers are the more likely threat. I think they've got a little more variety and, and balance to their game I like love the way they started the match. That they, they dummied a box kick. Mm. Six opponents from Harlequins were zeroed in on Yanchis, the scrum half. He then put it into the fly half's hand. Flat cross pass. Thirty seconds later, they stretched it one way, then the other, and they scored. That is how you confuse defenses. And, and there's a very smart-looking Stormers team, and I like the look of them. But uh, you know, they're going to Exeter. And if they win that, then I would make them uh, lively outsiders. I think you would say. Okay. Um, still, to me, the the winners of this tournament look likely to be the winners of uh, Lens V to lose if they both make the semifinals. And that's the first one. Okay, that would they, be my favourites. But they're very good. The other thing, I, I very briefly, Steve. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. I don't know. Have, have we spoken about him yet, or we'll get around to him. Uh, everything's about Mercer's red card more than the rugby. Hmm. Um, I, I would say here on that, I watched closely. I wrote a piece a couple of months ago about both the, well, the 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 Stormers in particular, how they didn't get anywhere near uh, shoulder, head high, neck tackles, and how it doesn't look that difficult if you coach it, if the culture is there from your coaching. And once again, I, I watched second time through Stormers and the Sharks not a hint of anyone in a in a position whereby they may enable themselves to get stupidly sent off. I think it was very harsh against Zach Mercer, but I'm watching these South African teams and they are bent low, the back is horizontal to the ground, they're making big tackles, but they're not taking any risk. All this stuff from the northern hemisphere about how it'll take forever to change cultures, frankly, is coaches who are obsessed with their one idea about aggressive defenders.
3: Very good point indeed. Uh, just before I come to Adam about the Tigers, there's one thing there, uh, Stuart. They went through all the protocols, the referee and the TMO. Yes, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Another thing he didn't do was to make any any particular impact whatsoever. Oh, no. I, I, Steve, they, there wasn't... They, they they short of grazed heads. Surely you've got to say, well, was it dangerous? And it wasn't.
5: There, there was no head injury assessment. There wasn't even the thought of one. And I watched it again, and it's one of these. It's very difficult because you understand what the lawmakers are trying to do. I don't want to see people standing up. And Mercer was. Agreed. In a higher position than you would want. But, but when the, the, the ball carrier... Actually, his head ducked down into him. Mercer was static. He wasn't moving into the tackle. The first man was, and there was no intent and no contact there. And yes, in the end, Mercer made a contact, but he made a contact because the other guy's head came down. Mm. And I'll agree, it was sloppy body position. But mm. must we get, must have we not enough sense not to send people off for sloppy body position? I understand what they're doing, and I think progress has been made. But at some stage, there has to be a degree, let's not say common sense, because madness comes from that, Hmm. but a referee just understanding the game and saying there was nothing there, this can be nothing. It wasn't a yellow card. I don't even think it was a penalty. It was just nonsense. Uh, And and the other thing, Steve, when I watched it again today, Brace is six feet From the incident, he's got an unobstructed view. Hmm. If he doesn't see anything, why does it take Joy Neville, the TMO, to be the one to say we've got an incident there? If there's a potential red card and the ref's six feet away and he doesn't spot anything, doesn't that tell us something?
3: I think you put put that beautifully. I I did think that uh, the TMO uh, was felt that she couldn't miss anything, and we had to keep on going back three, uh, three you know, three hours, not three hours, but three minutes, it, etc. It, it's I, a
5: common factor with the, that particular TMO personality, well, I'm afraid. Well, that's just, yeah,
3: let's get there. Sometimes we need to get on with the game, and, and and honestly, I would think sometimes I I just got a hankering that apart from. Um, the uh, high tackles and and the actual grounding, they should leave the rest. But uh, Adam, um, let's go on now to one of the great or formerly great European forces. Leicester saw off uh, uh, an Edinburgh team that was willing, I'd say, but but not spectacular. They now go to uh, Leinster. We'll come to that game in a minute. But what was your assessment of, Le- of, Le- of Leicester? They did a job, but not much more than that. Surely.
4: I half fancied Edinburgh to turn them over, actually. They've had a bit of decent form uh, recently, Leicester in the league. But I'll tell you what, I don't think you would be leaving Jasper Visa on the bench on, Saturday, on again on Friday against Leinster. No. It was horrible conditions. They got the job done. Visa came on. I mean, Steve Diamond, come on, do me a favour. In that interview we did on Saturday saying, we've got guys who can knock 10 bells out of Jasper. Um, sorry, on Friday, we've got guys who can knock 10 bells out of Jasper Visa. Well...
3: Yeah. <laughs> Where were they? Well, when they knocked ten bells out, we mean knocked twenty bells out of them. There we go. Okay, I do, I don't see. Uh, look, Leicester are all, always always to be reckoned with, but um, away in in Dublin, probably not so good. Uh, Stuart, the actual you didn't appear to think the 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 quality of play was quite as good as the excitement and the last minute um, last minute tries and all that. And incidentally, on the subject of a last minute try, I don't think there was any any man who played on the weekend who was more entitled to score the decisive try in the last second of injury time than Jack Yandle. He's the guy who's been always been the captain or a leader, always gets superseded by Cohen Dickey and, and really never gets the praise. But my God, he had a monstrous game and uh, he kept them going when they were struggling. He looked like they would lose a lot of the time. And for him to force his way over for the winning try was... Was something uh, was something out of this world? It re- it really was. Let's just briefly, or not briefly. Let's just discuss the quarter final lineup, Stuart. We, we'll have uh, Leinster and Leicester. Your opinion, plus Exeter and Stormers. Uh, Adam, we'll come to you for Toulouse Sharks. La Rochelle, Saracens. But that doesn't mean that uh, we can't weigh in for all the games, Stuart. Tigers got any chance? Yeah, you've
5: always got a chance because nothing's impossible on this planet. But that's about as far as it goes. Last year. Quarter-final, Leinster just wiped the floor with Leicester in the first 40 minutes and, and then took their foot off the gas. They're a very good team. Leicester, I don't think, are probably quite as good now as they were a year ago. Leinster are more motivated than ever, probably because of the mess they made of the final. They, of course, have the red carpet treatment and every game is at the Aviva. Um, I... would if it was at Welford Road, I'd say they've got no chance. Uh, at the Aviva, I'd say they've probably got slightly less than no chance, bar the bar, bar the bracket that, you know, the impossible
3: occasionally happens in this planet. Slightly less than no chance. That's not really a, a, a commendation. I have to say I, I, I agree with you there. Less I'd say it, I'd the, say it about
5: most of the teams as well. It's yeah. not... That's not necessarily a negative Leicester thing. I just think Leinster, Leinster and Toulouse right now look a, a little bit apart from the
3: rest. I, I, I just don't see where Leicester can possibly play on the same level of, of, of pace as Leinster. actually. Any chance for the English team there in Dublin, Adam? And the, before we go on, it is absolutely ridiculous that Leinster play every single game at home. It is preposterous and there should be things in place which stop that happening. It is a farce. Any 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 chance, Adam, Leicester? Probably not, but
4: I think England England a couple of weeks ago in Dublin, they, they did give Ireland a shake up for an hour. Um mm. but you can just see Leinster burning them off in the last twenty minutes. I mean Stuart's right about that game last last year when Leinster killed it off yeah. before half time. Leicester have just got a stick in there for the for the last twenty.
3: Sharks away at Toulouse. A, a great game, great clash of cultures. Toulouse notably have their off days hathers but um a lot their favourites. I, I do see a possibility there of the Sharks doing something.
4: Um, I think home advantage will swing this one. If it was in South Africa, I think Sharks would win. I'll be interested yeah. to see what their travel arrangements are because some of those South African teams have had to fly via Doha just because of one of the um, yeah corporate partners of this. I thought you said
3: Dover. Then they, were, well, they, they <laughs> wouldn't be there in time for the match. <laughs> 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 well, they in those buses at Dover. All right. As the fair enough, Stuart, you you are in Toulouse losing that one. Uh, I, I would always add the proviso if they play that they can, but if they do, then the the sharks are struggling. Yes,
5: Steve, they got they got half the French team. They're magnificent at home. They understand European rugby, uh, and they've got a pack that can actually take it to a South African pack. And that's what you have to do against South African teams. Yeah. Um, if you can overwhelm them physically, you're in business. And Toulouse have have got a pack that can do that for all the magic behind. Sure, sure.
3: sure. Um, uh, carry on Stuart um, Exeter I mean bizarrely the, 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 their rebuilding is become almost complete there's hardly anyone who would be recognisable t- in the team 18 months ago Johnny Grey uh, was one and a couple of others Jack Noel, etc but um, Stuart Stormers Exeter I mean Exeter now coming off that in- incredibly emotional day must now have half a chance don't they
5: Oh, I think they, they definitely have. I mean, it was it was a thrilling match. Uh, it, it was a wonderful game of rugby. I, I'm quite a fan of the Stormers, but, you know, playing at home in South Africa, as I think uh, Hathers was alluding to it, and playing away, it, it, it'll make quite a big difference. Um, I think they're the better team are the Stormers, but home advantage makes it uh, a very tight one to call. Um, you talked about Yendle and he. You know he, he did his captain's thing, which he's always done coming off the bench for Cow and Dickey. He mm. came off for Frost, and and, and you mentioned w- what a delight for him to get the try. and I agree with you, but boy, if any position deserved it, it was Hooker. Because this Dan Frost, this Taunton lad who's come from Wasp, he is dynamite, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's dynamite, and I'm looking forward to seeing him against a rip, re- you know, a really rip roaring front row from the Stormers where M. Em- Bernambi. And kits off calls no end a problem, along with mm. the big old beasts. Yeah, so Exeter have a pretty close to an evens chance. They might be a shape, odds on. I don't know. I don't think whoever wins that match will win the tournament. But I think if you said what will be the most exciting game uh, of the weekend, mm. I would probably plump for that one.
3: Well, with the two of us in the studio will probably be at it. So that's that's, uh, that's good. La Rochelle Saracens, lads. First, You first, Adam. Um, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't have thought there's a stadium on the west coast of France that could take the numbers that, w- that would want to go to that. I mean, imagine the, the uh, fusillade of booing when Billy is on the run or Faz Andy Farrell, sorry, uh, Owen Farrell gets the ball. But what a game. And I guess Sarries must expect La Rochelle as Stuart said early on, to be at their best?
4: I mean, talking about filling stadiums, it's just a shame that fans didn't know that they were going there um, properly until about five o'clock last night absolutely. on Sunday night, which is absolutely bonkers, and I see they're going to do it again next year, so well done, ERC. Yeah. Um, I, I think Saracens has got a chance here. We normally say, in the old days, we always used to say there'd be one away win in the quarterfinals. Mm. Um, I think this, this might be it. Mark McCall was slightly... Miffed with Gloucester yesterday, the way they fronted it up to La Rochelle, because he said it may have, they may have poked the bear. Mm-hmm. But if there's one team to go to La Rochelle and win, it's Saracens. Um, the way some of their big big guys stood up yesterday, Mako, Billy, Marrow, they could really take it to La Rochelle.
3: And uh, Adam um, Billy Pollard, on yesterday's evidence, is surely the best number eight available for England.
4: Well, he has been for the last oh the last. Six years, six or seven years.
3: I don't know why he's ever been dropped. Crazy. Uh, but, but but also, uh, uh, I mean, his brother uh, was just superlative. Quite was he my man, man of the match? I didn't, I didn't he, wasn't
4: catch. The, he wasn't the
3: official man of the match. Ben Earl, Ben was the oh, official oh, well, man fair of the match. Okay, um, Stuart, La Rochelle, Saracens, where's your money?
5: La Rochelle, like Adam says, I wouldn't write Saris off. Well, I would say. I thought Billy had hands. His hands were terrible yesterday. No, they were. Thought,
3: yeah. But I mean, is, I, thought
5: it, had, sorry, I thought he had a poor game. I thought Farrell's distribution, which is normally excellent, were poor. And I thought Saracens won despite a lot of their key players not being good. I thought good Malins, and Maitland were fabulous in the back three. I agree about Mako. In, in, in the uh, previous week, the game against Harlequins, a, a, the not-to-be-mentioned football stadium. Mm. He was my man of the match. I, th- I thought he was fabulous, and I thought he was very, very good again. And, you know, I think he's seriously uh, good news for Borthwick, and England might be thinking about him starting and Ellis Genge coming off for half an hour and trying to fly all over the place in, in the World Cup. I, I, Mako Vunapola is in some form at the moment.
3: Yeah, totally, agree. I, I, I totally agree with that, that as well. Um, okay, I just uh, look. I loved all those games. So we, I think we've got. Uh, uh, let's just go through them briefly, uh, in in one word, lads. Uh, Leinster, Leicester, Adam. Leinster. Uh, Stewart also Leinster. Le- Leinster. Toulouse Sharks. All three votes for Toulouse. Yep. Yep. Uh, Exeter Stormers. Um, uh, I'll I'll go Stormers. I will go Chiefs. Chief. Um, I'll go Exeter. Right, La Rochelle Saracens. Uh, Saracens. I'll go Saris. La Rochelle. La Rochelle, okay. Well, that just shows how how tight they all are. And uh, just before we leave the uh, European action, uh, let's go to South Africa, which when I last looked wasn't in Europe. Will Kelleher was there for us. He's got a view on the participation of
6: South African teams. Greetings Ruck listeners from Cape Town, reporting on the ground, doing the hard yards around South Africa. I'm sure you're all very, very uh, grateful that I've taken the chance to nip across to the mother city. And what a day it was actually, the Stormers, that's a pretty apt nickname for them, isn't it? Wow, that was a hell of a result. The scoreline looked like it flattered Harlequins at the end there. 32, 28, a rally three tries at the end but actually they were sort of washed away in a tempest to be honest South Africans in what we'd now shouldn't call Europe I mean (laughs) someone who spent a couple of days in Cape Town I think it's a decent old trip I mean I know that a 30-odd from the Harlequin supporters group came down and had a nice meet up with some of the non-playing players on the Friday night and they certainly enjoyed their trip I mean of course you'd want more people to be able to come and flights jetting in and out of London but pretty unaffordable for lots of people, so there's a problem there. But when you're here on the ground playing in twenty two degrees, it was a hell of an occasion, thirty three thousand five hundred and one in the stands, which was a record. It beat the crowd that came to the United Rugby Championship final when the store was won that uh last season. So for all our worries I think about the South Africans not necessarily buying into this competition, I think they were blown away this week with, and that crowd proved it. And yeah, it was it was just an amazing occasion. Like it's very different. Like There's a lot of music, a lot of Queen blasting out. There are a few ladies sitting next to me in the press box singing in Koza. But it was a fun-loving atmosphere and, a, and an unbelievable city to play in. I mean, I think as a man who yeah who spent a bit of time wandering around the Cape over the last couple of days, I feel like very supportive of the South African team that's uh, joining the Champions Cup. But the one thing I would leave it on as a note to finish, you, and maybe a debate that the others could have on the ruck, is... I just think that this is gonna make the Springboks an absolute beast. They're already beastly, but with all their players, like the Sharks and the Stormers, particularly, full of Springboks, playing against the Irish provinces, the French clubs, the best of the English, beating them regularly, learning how to play in different ways, smashing them up. <laughs> that just seems to be aligning really nicely. And maybe if you look on the international stage, in a few years the 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 proper european clubs might regret inviting them in because they might not get a look in in a few years but let's see how it goes the sharks are through the Stormers are through so you're to have at least two south africans in the quarterfinal stages so they're pretty happy with it so from cape town this is will kelleher reporting for duty but for now let's get back to the studio
3: Adam, South Africa is not in Europe, unless I'm completely wrong. Should they be in it? Well, Australia's not in Eurovision,
4: or is in Eurovision, and that's not in Europe. But um, to oh, be no, honest, that's really
3: disgraceful. <laughs> Let's go on to that. <laughs> to, to be yeah, honest,
4: they're not, are they? To be honest, it doesn't. It didn't sit well with me when they came in, but I think they've added to the tournament. If that makes sense.
3: Okay, Stuart, where do you stand?
5: It's ludicrous. It should be a European Cup, therefore they shouldn't be in it. But it's a European Cup based on. Upon... Um, three league tournaments, and they're part of it. Therefore, they must be in it.
3: I, uh, I, I s- meet you halfway there. The URC, I think, is totally unwieldy, and I cannot believe it'll stagger on for more than three years. But I don't see any compulsion. I mean, the URC had to bring them in because it would have died a death without them. I do not see why they're in it, but that uh, that doesn't mean. We don't feel joyful about some of the rugby, but it's just so unwieldy. I mean, who's going to be next? Swaziland and get them in it, or New Zealand? Anyway, there we go. That's... uh, Thank you, Will, and uh, safe home. Um, I hope your bid for an upgrade failed miserably.
0: The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations Tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get their team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy match day food and drink at your nearest Green King sports booth. in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk
7: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
1: The Ruck podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium sized UK businesses. Because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner.
2: Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Rhys Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, We've been up and running for about six years now. And sort of our strapline is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public.
1: If you're looking to improve
2: different parts of
1: your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign off for us? Absolutely.
2: Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle.
3: OK, as promised, we now move on to the, to Women's Six Nations. And also, as promised, we've got our Jess Hayden here. Jess's career is going up in such leaps and bounds. It's between her and Mr Murdoch for the chief executive of the whole company. Um, we had a round of the tournament on the weekend. Uh, Jess, um, big score for England, big score for, for France, reasonably close. Uh, mm. Scotland-Wales, where, where are you going to go first?
8: We start with Scotland-Wales, because that game for me was obviously the most competitive. It was 22-34 to Wales in the end. It was an exciting match. You know, they Scotland came in two points three <clears> times to Wales, so that was probably my favourite match of the weekend.
3: And, and am I right in saying it was the Welsh, the big Welsh that which sort of kept it going and kept Wales going under pressure?
8: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, Cecilia, Cecilia Tupolotu, who's the wonder prop that mm. everyone's kind of raving about in Wales at the moment had another play of the match performance scored two tries and it's just a very strong carrier for Wales so is getting a lot of the attention um personally I think that Wales need to build their game plan a bit better so it's not just relying on one strong ball carrier because mm-hmm. really she is their main option now for, for yeah. carries um she made over 20 carries I think in the uh, 21 carries in the match 96 meters but after about 60 minutes her fitness is is just gone yeah. and if you look at comparatively someone like Sarah so, Byrne yeah. at England who can last the full 80 basically playing out on the wing and mm. um, Simon called her a fourth back three in the in the match you know a player like Cecilia who's so young you know just isn't there yet and I just worry about her being over-egged as this wonder player for Wales when there's still a lot of her game that needs to improve. And,
3: and also the the, the uh, replays uh, available to all the other coaches. They'll be waiting for her in every, in every game. Um, when I saw Scotland play against England, I thought they improved a heck of a lot uh, on, on previous form. I also expect them to go really close against Wales. Have both these teams... Is it true that both these teams, in your opinion, have advanced?
8: Scotland and Wales? yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Wales have had a really good first two rounds. They've been successful. And I think that's... Give it, it's a lot for them. It's mental. I think mm-hmm. for, for Wales, they've been a really poor team in the past. And I think... Mm-hmm getting those wins under their under their belts is great for them. Scotland are just struggling. They've brought in a psychologist for this tournament to try and get them over the gain line because they are so often they lose within a few points as I say they had two point they were within two points of Wales on three occasions in this match. Karen Lake for Wales got a yellow card and Scotland just didn't capitalise on it at all. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that Scotland need to to improve on. They do have moments of, of greatness in Chloe Roddy, the, the full-back. Mm. Who was outstanding
3: in, 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 in Newcastle.
8: Yeah, yeah, and she was outstanding again against Wales. She has got the ability to really control the back line, mm. but it's the players around her and it's about getting not just three or four players who are performing really well but making sure that the whole team are able to support them in the best way possible
2: mm.
8: and that's also I think what Wales need to do. You you have to solve your the fly half dilemma in Wales for me Clehi um, George for me should be the starting 10 not Eleanor Stozil um, because of the form in the Premier mm. 15s. It's, it's just all these issues about making sure that the whole team is mm. competing and it's not just a few players that are standing out
3: just move on. Um, Adam, this us just uh, come to you as, well, not neutral because you're a proud, proud Englishman, but everyone is rooting for this competition to succeed. The atmosphere at some of the games is sensational. What does it do to you when you look at the result and it's 60 and 50? Are you able to say um, as a dispassionate observer, blimey, that's a lot? Or, 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 or what? Are you happy to say, well, at least they're learning?
4: Well, England, well, England have scored 60 and 50 in two,
3: in two games no there no, was 60 and 50 on the weekend 68 for Italy uh, against for, for England and 53 for France well what do you want England and France to do chuck the game no,
4: so no it's not their fault that they're better than everyone else if it's up to everybody else to catch up
3: right okay not asking him anything anyway
8: <laughs> well that's something G- Marley Packer was saying after yeah. the match you can only play what's in front of you so yeah. they, they can only be asked to perform against what's uh, in front of them and Simon Middleton was trying to give the answer if you learn more from, from these wins and you than you learn from losing the world cup final not sure if i agree with that i don't think there was much to be to be learned from yesterday but i do think that these huge score lines are kind of a worry for the Mm. tournament but i think with the new wxv competition that's been launched this autumn which kind of splits the the tiers in women's rugby Mm. we'll see more regular competitive rugby and hopefully those score lines will be a thing of the past
3: what what uh there's talk about england um It is amazing when you see Sarah Byrne coming onto the ball at pace and then accelerating Mm. as a front row forward. You didn't see Jason Leonard do much of that. And uh, some incredible athleticism there. They did all the basics well. They also had cutting edges. Do we think that Italy were good enough to to be a proper measuring rod for the England team?
8: I don't think Italy are a measuring rod for the Mm. England team at the minute. They're an improved side from last year. I think that the World Cup gave them a bit more experience and helped them kind of develop their side a bit more. But, you know, they were ravaged by injury, even in this match against England. They had 74-0, I think it was last year that England beat mm-hmm. them. It was a record-breaking defeat. Mm-hmm. And to see Italy kind of hold their own a bit, you know, in the first five minutes. And score, score a decent try. Score a try, yeah. yeah. Playing England at their own game, driving line mm. out, more um, score. That was a, It was a, interesting to see how England defended that. And it wasn't expected and I certainly up in the press box after five minutes was thinking brilliant we've got a competitive match on our hands here obviously you know that England are going to pull away in the second half but I really wanted that first half to be competitive and it wasn't quite what I wanted from from that in terms of what the the spectacle and what's more interesting for the game but all credit to England because they've been talking a lot about this revolution in the way they play since Mm. the World Cup because I know we've spoken about it before Steve about how England were quite one-dimensional in their attack at the mm. World Cup and it mm. was all that line-out driving maul, and then a, a prop or a, a forward would always score the try.
7: Mm.
8: And actually now, I think it was 10 out of the 12 tri- uh, tries on Sunday were from the backs, Yes, nine from the back three, and it was more exciting to watch. It was expansive, edge rugby, mm. which is exactly what they want to play. And that's partly for me because of Holly Acheson coming in at Fly half. Mm-hmm. She's got a solid boot on her, mm. not kind of a conversion kicker, but in open play, she's yeah. got a great boot on her and she was setting up opportunities on the, for the Wings. Mm. And it was just better. It was just ex- more exciting to watch. And again, expansive rugby. That's what fans were there to see. And there were almost 13,000 fans there. I just mm. want to make a quick point on that. Mm. Up in Northampton and... About ten minutes after the final whistle, as we'd all finished our chats up in the, the press box or Wandering Down, we still couldn't get to the press room because four or five fans deep on the touchline trying to get autographs and selfies, so that was lovely, and I think that the fans that were there got that entertaining rugby Absol- that they wanted.
3: Absolutely, and I, I didn't see anyone complaining at Newcastle either, that it was a fairly a big scoreline. Adam, your book of um, about your love of sevens rugby is unlikely ever to be written. <laughs> Ireland um, obviously love it because large number of their squad have been away playing sevens. Um, with respect to sevens, at a time when Ireland are trying to establish uh, a women's team after really being through the mill and the ups and downs, could you believe that's happened? Well, they probably should have learned from what England did when they were chasing
4: Olympic gold, should not they?
3: What they didn't well they, they didn't chase it very well. Well when well. they
4: forced um girls like Emily Scarrett to go and play sevens. Yeah. Maybe Arna should have learned a lesson from that. Choose, all, choose all, for the, that Steve.
3: all the backs went and left all the forwards with no with that's no it, yeah. ball. That to me is ridiculous. What do you think?
8: Completely agree. So Ireland at the minute, Ireland is still in that phase of having to chase the money and chase where the commercial opportunities are. And for them that's sevens. Mm. It's not the fifteens. The issue with Ireland is they've offered the players these contracts, centralised contracts in Dublin that are around £15,000 per year and they expect all the players to move over to Dublin for that money, living in a a city which is expensive to live in and it takes them away from their club. So so Captain Nicola Friday, just as an example, she plays Exeter Chiefs where she's getting regular, very competitive Mm. rugby in a high-performance environment and they want her to move to Dublin to play in the island, you know, central contracts. Like Wales have got central mm. contracts, so they're in the they're with the squad in the week and then they're released to their clubs. Now I I don't understand how it would work with Ireland, but many players have turned down the opportunity to be professional Ireland women's rugby players because The money's not there Mm. and I don't think that the players have been convinced that the high performance environment is there. Mm. So I don't blame the players who are going with sevens because that's the way that they develop their game and can take that back to 15s. You see players like Jazz Joyce who became a superstar in the sevens, then came Mm. back to Wales and became a superstar in the 15s Mm. because of her speed um, and handoff skills, all that she learned and developed as sevens player. So I hope that those players who are with the sevens for Ireland come back and improve their 15 side. Hmm. But right now, this is a troubled squad. This is a squad that doesn't seem to be able to put a string of performance together. No fault to the players. And I don't mean to kind of really criticise the players here because Hmm. it's a structural issue and the players can't perform very well when they're not being supported from above. So I think that they've just got to get this Six stations almost over and done with and then focus mm. on rebuilding.
3: What, uh, just finally, it, it was all shaping up that um, France, England would be the big game. Yeah. that is now becoming even more of a, a reality. How is that going in advance of the match? I'll come to a French rugby question for Adam, first of all, but how is that going in terms of likely winners? England still more impressive in the games they've been?
8: Yes, absolutely. I think the... That game will be fantastic, April 29th at Twickenham, and there's been so much talk about how it's a record-breaking crowd that will be there for that match, and I think they'll get a spectacle, I think it'll be a great match, I think England will come out on top. Mm. From what I've seen so far of France, they haven't been tested as much as, as they need to be before they face England, and the strength in England's squad at the moment yes there's been lots of talk about their injuries and they have been plagued by injuries and also absences like Abby Ward Mm. who's pregnant and Vicky Cornborough who's out of the squad for personal reasons there's still so much strength in that squad and Mm. they can just keep picking and picking away you can have all these players that aren't available and you still find that there's a lot of strength beneath it and we're hoping to see players like Maud Muir back for the mm. England France game um a player who i know you're particularly fond of steve mm. who front row kind of this absolutely powerful replacement option for the the front row um so yeah there's there's plenty of strength to come back but this england squad for me is just so strong that they they will win at twickenham
3: let me ask you one more question we we'll go on to the, the the vision of women's rugby in the future the lions adam um it is is now becoming on the horizon as a genuine concept for the women's team? What what a great moment it'll be when they run out on foreign soil. Where should they they run out? Should they copy and go twelve thousand miles to New Zealand, where it's pissing with rain in the in a mid morning morass? Should they go somewhere exciting? And and is France a World Cup a Lions venue? Well, it's, it seems to me they've only got two options to go on Lions
4: Tours, either um, New Zealand or France. Now, I don't want to have a crack at New Zealand, but we've been there... Oh, long- go on. <laughs> well, all right. yeah, the weather's, the weather's appalling every time we have to go there because it's yeah. normally the middle of their winter. Wouldn't it be great to have, like, a nine, 10 game tour of France going around yeah. all those brilliant old grounds and um, with three test matches dotted around, you can have one in Marseille, one in Paris, one in Toulouse, whatever. It'd be That would be fantastic. And yeah. ho- hopefully it would be... Um, two fairly well-matched teams. Otherwise, if England went... To, if the Lions, sorry, went to Australia, they'd hammer them,
3: wouldn't they?
8: Yeah, they yeah. would. But Jess,
3: Jess your Lions' choice. I, I know we're looking at the future here, but we're looking at a vision.
8: I would have it at home. And for a few reasons. Number one, traditionally, Lions' tours obviously have been abroad. But when there was that Japan match in the men's in, up in Edinburgh, I was there just as a fan and it was fantastic because I couldn't afford to go to on the Lions tour couldn't get the time off work and couldn't just couldn't afford it to go over there and and, and watch um the Lions play in New Zealand or South Africa um yeah I could afford to go up to Edinburgh and I really enjoyed it and I had a great time and I got to see the Lions live in the women's game of course we've still got players who would make the Lions squad like Claire Malloy who is mm. a doctor and mm. would not be able to take six or eight weeks off work to be able to play in the Lions um, so I would like a home Lions tour to start with get those home crowds in um, and tour the UK and Ireland of course like I think it should go mm. all the way around but it should be on home soil just to get that fan base there because if you if it is out in New Zealand how many fans realistically are going to travel all that way to watch them not many nowhere near as many as in the men's game to mm-hmm. so build the fan base at home Let the players be able to keep down their full-time jobs or their studies while playing in this tour. And then, you know, in four years' time, whatever, I would go to France would be my first choice because, again, it's close enough that people can go um, for the day if they needed to or just for a couple of days to watch a match. Some amazing historic rugby towns there that you could travel and tour around. It would be competitive. And then maybe in the future, you consider Canada, New Zealand... And other countries hopefully be coming up by that point that we can have some proper competitive Lions tours.
3: I think North America, both North American countries will be good. But um, anyway, that's that's, that's food for thought there. Jess, uh, please keep us posted for the rest of the tournament. Thank you for coming.
8: Thanks, both.
3: Coming up next, we'll name our God or Goddess of the Week. Okay, thank you, Jess. Uh, Next up... The key moments uh, we name our God or Goddess of the Week. Now, where are we going to start? Uh, Stuart, uh, God or Goddess, please?
5: Uh, God, and I had uh, contenders, and they're all from losing teams. That's my theme. Right. A teenager called Nushi came off the bench for Montpellier. Yeah, uh, for Mercer and and was much better than Zach Mercer. He was brilliant, and that's <laughs> not knocking Mercer. He
3: was fantastic, was ridiculous. He, he looked like a, got, a guy with the back talents of a back, didn't
5: he? Oh yeah, and he looked about forty as well. I mean, he's <laughs> unbelievable. Then I'd have Jack Crowley, who you you cannot concede fifty points and be a fly half in the losing team and play with such uh, assurance. His kicking, his passing, his mm. decision-making was was, was fantastic. Uh, and then my winner overall, uh, again, in defeat, I thought the Ospreys played extremely well. And I thought, once again, these workaday Kiwis who come from Southern Hemisphere to the North like James Lowe mm. and then make an impact. Uh, this Ethan Roots, he's not played for the All Blacks. He'll have to wait a while. I'm not certain how long he's been at the Ospreys, but he's going to walk into the Welsh team if he's qualified. Mm. What a performance. I mean, when we're talking about Billy Vunapola and his form, he smashed the Saracens' back row yesterday. Uh, Turnovers, carries, breakdowns. He was immense. So Ethan Roots, who from Canterbury, one day of Wales, he's my God of the Week.
3: Okay, Ethan Roots, that's that's a cracker. Adam. This is a
4: guy who was also in a losing team, um, who will be banished from the forwards union forever after what he did on Saturday in La Rochelle. Um, part of a brilliant Gloucester performance, um, gutsy and all the rest of it, what we want to see from um, a side that used to have people like Phil Blakeway and Mike Burton playing for them. But Freddie Clark will probably get a kicking from the shed the next time he goes for the way he finished that try in the corner. <laughs> um, it was like a trapeze artist. It was a bit like uh, earlier in the day, um, Damien scored scored one against Harlequins for the Stormers. Everyone was raving how brilliant this this was, but he's not six foot six and twenty stone, um, whereas Clark is. It was absolutely staggering finish. Well, well he, um, at one
3: stage he was about five feet off the ground. Yeah, uh, there's actually a, there's actually a cavern there now where he fell, but it was a great <laughs> bit of athleticism, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, mines is uh, I'm not introducing a sad note to you because uh, it's been a really really upbeat weekend, but um, Swansea, Cardiff, Newport. And wherever they were playing on the weekend, and uh, the Scarlets would not have been playing anywhere, were it not for a man who died last week? That's Peter Thomas, multi-million dollar, multi-million owner of uh, Cardiff, or not uh, uh, ex-owner of Cardiff, continued to to bail them out weekly when he was ill and and seriously ill. A really lov- lovely man, a man who was shamefully. Ignored and, and, and disliked by the Welsh Rugby Union. If he hadn't put money in, there'd be hardly any Welsh club rugby left. And I, I just have one anecdote from, from him because I went to interview him once and I said, Peter, I said, uh, it's really sad. I hear you lost um, £25,000 on Cardiff. He said, yes, I did. He said, it's bloody difficult. He said, I said, well, 25000 that's a lot. He said, well, it's not too bad. He said, yesterday I sold Cardiff Airport. So... Um, Financially he probably did okay. He's a lovely man and uh I'll uh, he'll be unbelievably sadly missed. So we've got three great ones there. I think we should, we ought to have the off wall one with Stuart, I think. Because um fair play, Ethan was something else. Never seen him play before, but now I have. Stuart Barnes, Adam Hathaway, thanks for joining me today. Uh it's been a pleasure. What a great weekend. We've previewed all the uh next Saturday's action for you and uh thanks for listening. Uh, That was The Ruck from The Times and Sunday Times and it was produced by Alfie Reynolds, the one and only.
1: Thanks for listening to The Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle and Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie. Hello. 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 How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner and Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium-sized UK businesses. How have they helped you?
2: Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access
1: to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive, and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours?
2: Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub
0: near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations Tournament. In and out, in and out, ball! Leave your rivalries at the door and get their team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King Sports Bub. The, the Six Nations and Green King. 18plusdrinkaware.co.uk.